Hello everyone, welcome to episode 20 of Weapons of Righteousness Ministries. My name is Taylor Clark, and in this episode we're going to continue talking about our enemy and who our enemy is as believers. In the previous two episodes, I've uh, been going through Ephesians 6 verse 12, which says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I've been trying to get across that we are not in a battle against the things that we see in this world. As I've mentioned before in previous episodes, the tactic of the enemy is to get our eyes focused off of Jesus and onto wrestling with flesh and blood, wrestling with the things of this world, what we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul said, Though we walk in the flesh, talking about believers, we do not wage war against the flesh, or we don't war after the flesh. And he goes on to say that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive and bringing it into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So Paul says that we do not wrestle flesh and blood, nor do we war against flesh and blood. And the whole purpose of, of these, the last two episodes and this episode, is to get our minds off of what we are seeing with our eyes and onto the true enemy, our enemy as believers, which is the devil. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that I have come, referring to himself, to bring life and to give it abundantly. And so the thief is always coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you might be asking, well, what is he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, ultimately, he's trying to steal the seed. He's trying to steal the, the seed that God has sown into your heart. And so if you are born again and you're listening to me right now, you have had the incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ sown into your heart. And the devil is completely fine now that you're saved. If he couldn't prevent you from getting saved or prevent you from giving your life to Jesus, his goal now within a believer's life is to make you sterile as a believer. You see, God has called all believers to be sowers of the incorruptible seed that has been sown into them by Jesus Christ. And the devil's goal is to prevent you from sowing that seed into somebody else. This is why so, so much uh, persecution came against Paul in his ministry. You see Paul, and he talks about his persecutions, I believe, in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, that might be wrong, but in 2 Corinthians, in one of the letters that Paul wrote, he talks about the persecutions that he faced going from town to town, how he was shipwrecked, how he was at sea for three days, how he uh, has gone through um, sleepless nights, being beaten, stoned to death, all these different persecutions, people trying to kill him. And you might be saying, yeah, that was Paul's battle against flesh and blood. The, perp the, the spirit behind those attacks 
or the real uh, person behind those attacks was the devil. You see, the devil uses people in this world just like God uses people as vessels of light. The devil inspires and uses other people as vessels of darkness. This, our bodies are kind of like a, a, a gun or a firearm, you could say. You know, I've talked before how we're spirit, soul, and body. Our body goes along with what we are thinking or goes along with uh, the, the control or what has taken our minds captive. Our body is just a vessel, just like a gun is just a, a tool. It's amoral. It can either uh, be used to do good and to protect others or a gun can be used to, to do harm to others and to kill other people. And in the same way, our bodies can be used as either a vessel of righteousness, a vessel of light, a weapon of righteousness, or a vessel of, of unrighteousness, a vessel of darkness, or a weapon of unrighteousness. And this battle takes place within the mind of a person. And so again, the devil can use or will use and inspire and influence and tempt others to come against you. If he cannot steal the seed within your heart uh, by you yielding yourself over to, uh, or yielding your mind over to uh, vain imaginations and yielding your mind over to evil thoughts and then in turn yielding your body to those thoughts. If the devil can't get you to submit to him in your mind, he will inspire others to come against you and to try to steal that seed that's been sown into your heart. So many of you who, uh, I, I'm not sure who all I'm talking to right now, but I'm sure I know each of you, if you are a believer, have your own testimony. And you might, uh, in your testimony, you might uh, have the experience that when you first got born again, that other people came against you for how you believed. And you might be going through that right now. That battle that you are facing, that war, uh, or that person that you are wrestling with is not really the person that you can see with your eyes. The person that you are rustling with is the enemy who has inspired that person to come against you. Paul, Paul mentions this when he talks about the thorn in the flesh, how uh, it was a, an, uh, a demon, a demonic angel, a, a demon that was sent to buffet him. And this messenger from Satan, that's the word to use, a messenger from Satan, or a demonic spirit, you could say, was sent, commissioned by the devil specifically for Paul to buffet him or to beat him. Now, was he physically beaten by the devil? No, but he was physically beaten by other people. He was physically stoned by other people. And those other people were what was being influenced by that evil spirit that was sent to buffet him. So the whole purpose of this, guys, is to get your eyes off of flesh and blood. I'm not saying to close your eyes or to be blind to what we're seeing, but know and understand 
that the battle that you are facing today, the battle that you will face in the future, the battle at work with the people that you're dealing with for law enforcement officers or even for for the general public who are going to work and having to interact with other people. It might not be just the battle within your own mind. It might be others that are inspired in, in yielding themselves over to the temptations of, of the enemy who have harbored offense and bitterness or anger and the enemy is influencing them to come against you. And not to be upset at that person, but to understand that that person is yielding themselves, has been taken captive in their mind by the enemy, and they're yielding your bodies to be used as a vessel for the enemy to come against you. And so again, God, just like God uses his followers as vessels to enforce his will and authority on this earth, the devil uses people in the same way to execute his will on the earth's earth which is to steal kill and destroy and ultimately he's after the incorruptible seed of jesus that's been sown on the inside of you in mark chapter 4 it talks about uh, jesus says that uh, the the enemy or the thief comes immediately to steal the word that was sown he's talking about the seed that was sown on four different types of ground and he said that the first type of ground which lands on the wayside the birds of the air came and immediately took up the seed that was sitting on the, the top of the, the soil that it was sown onto. The enemy will come immediately to steal whatever word God has sown into your heart. That's why if you go to church or if you, if you hear a minister speaking and, and you receive a word, a seed that the pastor or that the minister sows and you receive it into your heart, and you're all excited about what God has spoken to you through either his word or through a minister preaching from his word. But then you go home and all of a sudden you, you have an argument with your spouse. Or you go home and all of a sudden uh, anxiety comes against you or thoughts of depression or thoughts of darkness come against you or, or something happens that takes your mind off of the seed that was sown and onto flesh and blood. This is the whole, the whole goal of, of Satan and the devil, uh, or Satan, the devil. His goal is to steal the word that's been sown in your heart. This is what took place back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, or chapter 2, God sows a... Uh, God creates Adam and Eve, and Adam has the incorruptible, or not the incorruptible, the uncorrupted seed of life within him. And he commands Adam, he doesn't command Eve, he commands Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the midst of the garden. And he says, he gives the consequence for if he does do that, if he eats from the tree, he says, when you... Speaking to Adam, when you eat of the tree, you will surely die. But look at, look at the devil's tactic, his strategy, his scheme here. And this is the same scheme that he uses today. The Lord showed this to me the other day, and it, uh, it opened my eyes to things that I hadn't seen before. But this is the simplicity 
of the enemy's scheme. So in Genesis chapter 3, the devil goes to the woman. You see, many people think that Adam and Eve were together during the temptation. The Bible never says that. The Bible says that Adam was with her when she ate of the tree because it says that she took and gave to Adam who was with her and he ate also. But during the temptation, the serpent only speaks to Eve. So many people combined chapter 3 and they take it as that happened all at one time, all in one day. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe scripture backs that up. It says that the serpent was the most subtle creature in the garden. Subtlety, the, the devil was after Adam. Adam had received the command from God. He had received dominion and power over all the earth. And Adam contained the uncorrupted seed to life, to the future, to future generations to come. So the devil's goal, again, Mark chapter 4, he comes immediately to steal the seed. His goal was to steal or corrupt the seed within Adam and in turn take his authority, his dominion, his power and make him a slave of unrighteousness. And so what did he do? Instead of going to the strong man, instead of going to Adam who had heard directly from God, who had dominion and power and authority over the earth, instead of going directly to Adam, to the strong man, you could say, he goes to the one that has the strong man's heart. He goes to the woman. And we are told in, in the New Testament, in Paul's writing, Paul refers to, to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, I'm not saying that women are weaker than men. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, start any arguments or any fights over that. But Paul sa says that the woman is the weaker vessel. The command was given to man, and the man was given authority over his wife. It doesn't say that, Jesus, that God ever spoke to Eve directly, saying that you shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He spoke that to Adam. So Satan's goal was to get to Adam, and he got to Adam through Eve. I believe that, that the serpent came to Eve when she was as far away from that tree in the garden as possible. Many people, many, many books show the serpent inside the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, that is not subtlety. That does not follow the MO of, of the devil throughout, uh, throughout the history of mankind. From the very beginning, he was labeled as being subtle, which means, I believe, he tempted Eve when she couldn't even see the tree. She was probably very far away from the tree and therefore less guarded. And the serpent came to her at a time when she was alone, when she, was, she did not have her guard up. And that's the same for you and me. The enemy will come against us the strongest when we are not alone, when we are not with our spouse, when we are not around fellow believers, when we are alone. That is when the enemy, enemy's temptation uh, will be the greatest. What we're told in, uh, in either First or Second Peter that the devil is compared to a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, if we look at the lions in the wild, 
the lions will target the prey that is off by themselves, that has been separated from the pack. Why? Because there's more chance of success when the lion goes after a, uh, uh, the prey when it's by itself. There's the, the animal is, is weaker, does not have the strength of, of numbers, does not have the strength of, um, of, their, of their family, does not have uh, uh, the support of the people around them. And that lion will single out that one that is by themselves and, and, and initiate his attack when they're separated from the group, from strength. And that's exactly what the enemy did here in the garden. Through the serpent, the devil comes to Eve by herself. And he plants, he, he speaks words. That's all he does is use words as weapons. Guys, there is power in, in, in our words. This world was created by words. Therefore, the things of this world respond to words. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and that we will eat the fruit thereof, the fruit of what we speak, whether of death or of life. So look at this, look at this attack that the devil places on, on Eve, this temptation. He doesn't come against her as a lion. He doesn't try to kill her body. She doesn't, he doesn't try to hurt her. He doesn't try to take the fruit and force it down her mouth. He doesn't hand her the fruit. All he does is uses words. This is the exact same tactic the enemy uses today with you and me. He uses words. And so through his mouth, he speaks to her and he just plants he plants doubt. He says, Hath God said that you shall not eat from all the trees of the garden? And Eve responds by saying that God has said uh, that they can eat from all the trees of the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of, the good, of good and evil, which is in the midst of the garden. That right there shows me that she was not looking directly at the tree. She had to describe where the tree was located in the garden. If Satan, if the serpent was in the tree tempting her, she would have said, no, God said that I should not eat from this tree or touch the fruit thereof. But she said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is in the midst of the garden. She, she, she says the location of the tree. And then the serpent plants the seed of doubt, questioning the command of the Lord, the command of God to Adam. He says, you shall not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it that you will be like God. Let me go and turn to that so I, I get the exact words that the devil uses, because this is, I believe this is so key for us to understand for our battle today, because we are facing the same enemy using the same tactics that he's used from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve. In verse 4 of Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And then look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. I'm going to look up the, the King James Version here because I believe it, it says it just a bit better in that translation. We get a, a bit clearer picture of what's going on here. So notice in, in verse 3, that's the last thing the enemy says. So he just plants that seed and he just lets that seed fester at that point. In your life, the enemy will plant the seed of doubt, hath God said, or plant the seed of, uh, of confusion, of anxiety, of depression, of, of lustful thoughts towards, um, towards a person. Uh, he'll plant these seeds in your mind. In verse 6, we go to where the battle begins, or the battle, I guess you could say, ends in Eve's mind. So we don't know how much time, what the span of time was between verse 5 and verse 6. Because she had to be at the place to where she was looking at the tree. She wasn't looking at the tree previously because she had to describe where the tree was at. But now she sees the tree, and she sees it in a different way. In verse 6 it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And this is where Adam was with her. It says, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So the enemy, the serpent, plants the seed of doubt, plants the seed of temptation into Eve's mind. And then it's within her mind that she is taken captive by this temptation. And once she's taken captive by this temptation, or you could say she has intercourse with this temptation. That's what James chapter 1 says. James chapter 1, let me go over there real quick, says that we conceive sin. And this takes place, uh, let me see here. Let me read it real quick. Verse 14, James 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So temptation, if we choose to have intercourse with temptation, which means we mix our, we, our minds are taken captive by that. We start meditating on it. We start, start picturing ourselves acting out the temptation that is placed in our mind. That that actually, there's a conception process that takes place and that sin is birthed from that. And then when it says, here in verse 15, 
Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we've got temptation, then we've got intercourse with that temptation that can, conceives or gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. So we see the same process taking place within Eve. Eve is tempted. She meditates on that temptation. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, Paul says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What was the devil doing here? He was casting a seed, causing her to imagine the tree as not not something to be afraid of or to avoid or to not eat from but as something to desire something to make them wise he's planting the seed of temptation causing a picture to take place in eve's mind which then leads her to see the tree differently exalting Exalting that idea above the knowledge of God, she knew God had said not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that if she did, she would surely die. And then she goes in the manifestation of that intercourse with the temptation conceives sin. But notice the enemy's goal, the devil's goal, was not just to get Eve to sin. His goal was to get Adam to sin. This is why he went through Eve. Adam contained the seed, the uncorrupted seed. I didn't say the incorruptible seed. Jesus was the only one to have the incorruptible seed, which has been sown into us, which is how we are born again in Christ. Because our seed, the seed that we have in Christ now, is incorruptible. The devil cannot corrupt that seed that's within us, that born-again seed. But in Adam, it was just an uncorrupted seed that, that could have been corrupted and was corrupted. And so Eve took and ate of the fruit, but notice nothing happened there. It doesn't say that Eve's eyes were opened at that time. Again, the command not to eat and that they would surely or that he would surely die went to Adam. Adam is with Eve and he, it says later on in, in chapter 3, that he hearkens to the voice of his wife and takes and eats of the tree. And then, let me turn back here, and then are their eyes opened and they realize that they are naked. And look at, look at what happens after this. So they realize they're naked their eyes are open, they're ashamed, and then they hear the Lord walking through the garden. It says in verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you? Not commanded you and Eve, but commanded you that you should not eat of it. 
Then the man said, The woman, not the serpent. Adam never heard from the serpent. Notice who he, who he says. He says, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Don't you think if Adam was with Eve when the serpent was tempting her, that Adam would have said, It was the serpent who tempted us. No, he said it was the woman. Listen, listen to what God says after this. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So now Eve is saying, It's the serpent who tempted me. He beguiled me. He deceived me. And then the Lord goes on and he pronounces the, the curse on the serpent. He speaks to the woman. And then look at what he says to Adam. In verse 17, Then to Adam he, which is God, said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, not heeded the voice of the devil, not heeded the voice of the serpent, but because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. And then he goes on to say the consequences of that decision. The whole purpose of why I'm saying this is to show you guys that if the devil can't get to you, number one, the devil's goal is to cause the incorruptible seed within you to become sterile so that you never share the light of Jesus with anybody else. So you never multiply or sow that incorruptible seed into anybody else. And if he doesn't, if he won't attack you personally, he will inspire and influence other people close to you, other people who you respect, other people who you look up to, family members, friends, pastors, whoever they may be. He will inspire those people to come against you, just like he inspired Eve to come against Adam. And your attack will look like flesh and blood, but it will be, it will have the backing or the force of darkness from the enemy. And so you might be asking, well, well what do we do to defend against this? And this is going to, this is going to close our, our topic here on uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12. And, uh, and, and the answer is found in verse 13 to how we're supposed to deal, how we're supposed to engage in battle with these principalities and powers and lofty ideas, the, the uh, rulers of the darkness of this age. It's contained in chapter in verse 13. Ephesians 6 verse 13, Paul tells us why we must put on the whole armor of God. It's to engage in battle against, against these things that he mentions. In verse 16, he says, therefore, or for this reason, because we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, because we are wrestling against these principalities, these spiritual powers. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The answer to engaging in this battle, the answer to standing in this battle is to be fully armored, fully equipped, bearing the sword of the Spirit and taking the fight to the enemy. This is something that, that Adam was not prepared for. 
Adam had access to everything we have access with right now. He had access to the tree of life, which was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And he chose, instead of heeding the word of God, he chose to heed the voice of his wife, who was inspired or who was taken captive by the serpent's temptation and used as a weapon of unrighteousness to attack him. This is the whole purpose for this study. This is the whole purpose for this ministry. This is the whole purpose of why Paul writes this out in Ephesians chapter 6. It's because we need to put on Christ. We need to put on the equipment that's available to us through the Word of God. Be equipped, fully equipped, to stand when the enemy comes against us. I'm going to end this video with a, uh, with a video, uh, a clip from the movie of The Passion of the Christ. Um, it's been a while since I've watched that whole video, but the, uh, I believe Mel Gibson paints this picture very clearly within this video, uh, within, within this clip, uh, and, and you'll see why. You'll see the people within Jerusalem they're, they're wanting to crucify Jesus. They're full of, of hatred and anger toward Jesus when Jesus did nothing wrong. The enemy could not tempt Jesus into yielding himself to the devil in the wilderness. So what did he do? He went and inspired other people to come against Jesus. He inspired the Pharisees to want to kill Jesus. He inspired Judas. It says that when when Satan had filled the heart of Judas, that Judas went out and betrayed him. The enemy went after other people, and it was the enemy inspiring, it was the devil inspiring the people within Jerusalem to harbor hate in their hearts toward Jesus, so much so that they crucified him. And so watch this clip. And in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the belt of truth. But when you watch this clip, just picture your own life and the things coming against you right now, the other people that's coming against you, sickness, whatever it is coming against you, the flesh and blood battle, which we do not wrestle against. And, and know that the enemy is behind that. Anything that's trying to steal, kill, or destroy what God has sowed in your heart, the, the enemy behind it, the root source of that is the devil. And we need to stand against the devil, and we need to take those thoughts captive, and we need to utilize our authority and bring them, make them, force them into obedience to Jesus Christ. Guys, I pray this has been a blessing to you. I pray that God has opened your eyes to things that maybe you haven't seen in this way before, and that the tactics of the enemy have been revealed to you, and that it's, uh, it's only through knowing these tactics that we are able to defend and fight against it. And so in the next, the following episodes, that's what we're going to be focusing on, the armor of God, the different pieces of armor, and how we equip ourselves with this armor. All right. Have a blessed week, guys, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you next time. Blessings.